The VGRT Gaming Podcast, episode 696, recorded on September 22nd, 696th edition of the TV Gaming Podcast and 529th episode of Video Game Roundtable. I am TJ Denzer. I am Scott Derrick. And I am Jonah Falcon. The VGRT Gaming Podcast focuses on game news from around the industry. You know, we have such a massive uh, podcast to do, we're going to just skip what we've been playing because uh, there's just so much. (laughs) Um, We have two minor news about City Skylines in the past couple of, uh, in the past week. Uh, one is that City Skylines 2 is going to have contour lines anyway, because um, if you recall, they initially said there wasn't going to be any contour lines, but recent gameplay videos show that they're back. So apparently whatever whatever's going on with City Skylines, they decided to put these the contour lines back. And today uh, they confirmed that you're going to have the new road tool in which you can have um, directional lanes. So for the everybody who has drives a car knows what they are. It'll be like an arrow moving forward, or an arrow, or an arrow and to the left as well, showing weeding go forward or whatever. So it's it's good for those people who like to micromanage their roads. Um, but yeah, City Skylines is looking really hot. It's two. That yeah, is it's a sequel. Maybe one of my most anticipated games of this year at this point. Like I know we don't have much left in 2023, but. Well, there's City plenty of games coming out. Yeah, City Skylines 2 is still one of the ones that I'm looking forward to most as far as what we have left. I I have Game Pass, but I'm considering buying it anyway. Because it looks uh, delightful. Yeah. Like, um, and not just like as far as just being a good step in the right direction as far as a sequel. It feels like they took every one of the like hardest hitting mods that the community came up with and integrated them into the sequel. As long as they have the public transit mod in there, which they do, I'm happy. It's probably the best SimCity game you're ever going to get. Uh, a lot of depth in there and just amazing detail. I'd like to thank Electronic Arts for having SimCity coming out, a SimCity 2015 game being so controversial that someone else decided to make a Sim get a SimCity game that's even better. They did such a piss poor job. It's it's incredible. Here's the thing: SimCity wasn't a bad game. It's just that the multiplayer was bad, and it didn't fit the game. I but mean, it was also the fact that even as a city builder, <coughs> it had DRM that required you to be online all the time for a sim, for a city yeah. sim game. And here's the thing: you can have multiplayer SimCity because they had uh, what was it? SimCity 2000. Uh, there was a, a special edition of SimCity 2000, which was actually online, and you could play with other people on it. But the way it was implemented was just bad. And uh, I think that was the last straw for John Richitello at EA. Because after they did that, he was out. And uh, one of the things they crowed about The Sims 3 was, guess what? It's going to be... Oh, I'm sorry, The Sims 4. I think The Sims 3 came out before. Anyways, the next Sims game was all single player. Completely single player. And they, yeah. they bragged about it. And here's the ironic thing. If you're going to make one of those games multiplayer, I'd rather it be The Sims. 
The Sims makes the most sense for multiplayer because then you can have your friends' Sims come over and meet your Sims in your and you know in either their neighborhood or your neighborhood. That would be great. So they did the absolute wrong thing. If The Sims 3 had multiplayer and had people, you know, visiting each other's neighborhoods, no one would have complained at all. No one. Unless it was like you had to be online. I mean, if it was online only DRM, I think people would have complained. But that that game makes sense for multiplayer. The Sims City, yeah, less so. Like, a city sim is kind of a sandbox where, like, you're designing your vision of a utopia. Why would you want to, like... I... I, I... I can see some level of application, but making it such a big deal was a bad idea. Well, the idea was sound in which you have a neighboring city and say, oh, I'll send you – I'll take your garbage if you send me electricity, that sort of thing. But it was so badly implemented. Here's the thing. You even had trolls who had just, oh, you want all our crime? Our crime is going to your city now. (laughs) Right. And and then, like, I don't think it was the first – major controversy to come out of having large-scale DRM on a game. But it is one of the first major examples I remember of, like, people being like, this makes no sense. Why would you do this? Let's put it plainly. It killed a franchise, and it wasn't exactly an unknown franchise. This was Will Wright's Sim City. That franchise got killed. Uh, I think SimCity Societies came out afterwards. I'm not sure. I don't know which came if if SimCity Societies came out after that. I just know that SimCity Society was was a mistake. But good on Colossal Order for like listening to their player base, understanding what they want, and implementing it in smart ways. And good on them for also making a deal with Microsoft to get it on Game Pass, because it's the sort of game on a console you really have to convince people to get. There'll be people on the fence for the console version, and I think they'll go after it. It's going to be also on um, PC, but it'll be interesting. Um, Related to that, Ubisoft quietly confirmed it's working on The Division 3 today. And my response is, yeah, so what? No wonder you did it quietly. I don't know anybody who's clamoring for The Division at all. There, okay. Uh, the, Tom Clancy's The Division Two has a pretty faithful player base, and I will like say that it's not. A, I've played a little bit of it, and I understand why it has a faithful ba- player base. It's not a bad game. Um, it's odd that they like also very quietly announced that they had kind of m- moved on to a new executive director for the franchise itself. In addition to announcing this new game, because like I don't like I don't understand what was wrong with what was wrong to Divi- to Ubisoft about Division Two. It was dull, <laughs> and it had a weird political political message. Really, it had a very strange political message. One thing they said: it's not a political game. You have two armed forces fighting over land in Washington D.C. It's going to be political no matter what you do. Right. And then it was I, like... like uh, As soon as Tom Clancy's attached to it... His like, dead, rotting corpse. He's How many things has he not written that you know that has come out in his name after he died? But, like, that's the point, right? Is that the moment that you have Tom Clancy's name on something, I would assume it's meant to be politically subversive in some way or another... 
I, I don't understand why anyone would go into a Tom Clancy anything thinking, oh, this is going to be completely plain, no politics whatsoever. That's that is literally the bread and butter of Tom Clancy. There, there's yeah. some people that have some serious uh, d- dissonance, disconnect. Yeah. But, you know, the thing is that um, when we found out that, oh, to our surprise that the U.S. military was backing the Call of Duty games. I mean, come on. <laughs> um, speaking of which, um, well, we're not going to get into that just yet. Uh, Steam Deck is at least two years away. Valve confirms that any plans for a faster deck are years away. So is your Steam Deck slow or is it just? I'm pretty sure you have some issues with it. I don't have the Steam Deck. Uh, oh. Scott does. Do Scott does no, have it? No, I don't. I first one you had the Steam Deck, uh, TJ. But does this mean you're going to say, you know what, I might as well wait two years for the Steam Deck anyway? I mean, yeah, because like, there are definite issues with the Steam Deck from that kept me from purchasing it. Like? A, those the, the controller format of it is just ridiculously bad. The, having the having the sticks sitting like almost directly on the slant of the uh, of the sides is bad. I don't like that. Plus, that thing puts off so much heat on the bottom side. Well, we know that what Microsoft is going to do as an answer to the Steam Deck, but we'll get to that in a bit. <laughs> um, also, a lot of stuff going on with Unity. I'm not going to cover it because there's just so much having to deal with it, and I'm not interested in dealing with it right now. So, um, Another John Riccatello thing, no less. <laughs> well, here's the thing. Um, Unity only had one quarter in which it made money. And it's not the first time that John Riccatello has made a decision with Unity that has almost, like, seriously turned the company upside down. Remember when he made that comment about how if if uh, you as an indie publisher don't go into your game with a mon- with a with a deeply ingrained monetization strategy, you're a fucking idiot. <laughs> and like, not my words, John Riccatello's. I'm not even joking. Like that guy makes bad decisions regularly that's been a, a really big issue i have uh, ga- uh games that i backed that used unity and it's affecting them on different levels and here's the thing apparently they want microsoft sony and nintendo to subsidize the the developers and i know that microsoft does some subsidizing of indie games but they can't expect the, the publishers to do you know to to pay for it all it so, just seems crazy to be charging for downloads. I mean, like- today they they uh, here's the reason I'm bringing it up today. They rewrote everything, but it's still it's still getting a lot of controversy. So yeah, I, I've seen I a few. Okay, go ahead, Scott. I can't imagine any of the big platforms, Sony, Valve, Microsoft, or Nintendo, being okay with. Uh, their their downloads being tracked so that way these that Unity can charge publishers or or you know uh, the devs extra money just for because somebody else downloaded a game that's not on their server it just makes no sense. Yeah, so the original Unity runtime fee was going to be charging every developer's twenty cents every time someone installed their game, uh, and they ran that back. So and like. The main thing that they've done is just increase the revenue level at which they do that. 
from what I understand. 2.5% revenue share. And I've seen some developers say, okay, this works out for us because we're not going to get to that point. But, like, it's still not all that fair to say, like, once once you've proven that your game is successful enough, we're going to tax it more than we tax other games. Yeah, well... (laughs) It's a mess. So, so. Um, we're going to loop everything else because all of... So, the uh, FTC papers with Microsoft were leaked, and a lot of information came out. And one of the funniest things is that a lot of stuff we already knew. I thought people knew a lot of this stuff. Um, one of the least surprising things was that The Elder Scrolls was going to be made an Xbox console exclusive. We knew that. We knew that years ago. We, it's not a surprise. It's not a surprise. We knew that three years ago. We knew that when the FTC Microsoft thing was going on. So I don't know why the Elder Scrolls reading an Xbox console exclusive would be a a, a, a mystery or, or or a surprise to anyone. Starfield's not not PlayStation console exclusive. Why would the Elder Scrolls be? I mean, I think that's fair to say, but like, also, I think a lot of people just think of Elder Scrolls Five and how long it's been around and how it's been on kind of everything. Well, it's going to be a lot around a lot longer on the PlayStation now, isn't it? <laughs> and I, I would say that like, like it's just, it, exclusivity doesn't last forever, right? Like at some point, does well, Microsoft no. continue to keep these games just solely on Xbox consoles and not move them over to P- PlayStation at oh, some point? No, I'm willing to bet you dollars to donuts it'll be on the Switch too. Right. <laughs> at some point. But not on like, Sony's that's platform. That I th- that's the thing that I think about the most is that, like, exclusivity in most cases is a limited time thing. Like, yes, you, 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 move, a con- you move a game onto a console in exclusivity – because of a deal or because of like the you own the studio or something. But, has, like, has Resistance gone onto Xbox yet? Right, I guess not. But. Has um uh has Nathan Drake been on the Xbox yet? Hmm. Although I will say, um, I think didn't they say Uncharted was going to be on PC at some point? Uncharted has moved on to PC uh, okay. a couple times already. Uh, okay. Like there, there's a couple Uncharted games on PC already right now, and what shocks me. What shocks me is that I, Bloodborne will never be on PC. That shocks me. Everybody wants P, uh, Bloodborne to be on something other than just PS4 because, like, of course, it's a good game. Well, um, a lot of people are saying that Liza P is enough of a Bloodborne for them, and I've seen a lot of people giving it praise. I can confirm that. I've played Lies of P, and if we had talked about what we've been playing, I would have talked about Lies of P. I, uh, I like that game. It's it's fun. It's, it's, it's close. It's Bloodborne, competent. isn't it? It's the most competent non-from-software Soulsborne game that I've played in years, and I include uh, The Surge and a few others that I've played among that, where, like, it's 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 really well done. It's... It's well crafted. It's a strange premise where, like, you're yeah. taking the idea of Pin- Pinocchio, the lore of Pinocchio, and turning it into this interesting and grim, dark action. Well, that's RPG the thing game. about Liza P is that um, it actually has you has a morality system in it of lying yeah. or not lying. So. 
the most cool thing about that game is how like almost every common weapon that's not like a boss, a special boss weapon can be dissected into its blade and its handle. And you can mix and match them as you please and get like different effects out of them for doing that. I love that system. Of course, you can wield a cloud buster. So, yeah. Or, <laughs> and like you can, and you can strap the cloud buster onto like a rapier handle or like a fire axe handle or like any other thing that yeah. like changes what it can do. Um, but there's some other stuff. So we'll go straight to the, um, actually, uh, news came out today. Uh, Microsoft finally lays UK regulars cloud fear gaming fears to rest. New consultation suggests an end to the drawn-out Activision Blizzard acquisition saga. Finally, it's going to be an Ubisoft's hand for cloud gaming in the UK. And the deadline for the merger was sometime in mid to late October. So it's still September. So there's plenty of time, but it looks like finally uh, the merger will happen. And here's the thing is that um, Microsoft just wants King, really. They want King. They want they they want that sweet, sweet, sweet mobile gaming money. <laughs> That's what they really want. Right. I mean, there's no doubt that to a certain degree, Phil Spencer wants a lot of that IP because, like, there's a lot of dormant oh. Activision Blizzard IP that just kind of sits there that he would like to play around with. Um, one of the funny things is that um, they're treating it like it was serious. But Phil Spencer said if we ever got Nintendo, it would be a crown jewel in our thing. Yeah, of course it would be. Nintendo <laughs> laughed him out of the room, though, because they have a uh... – They didn't laugh him out of the room. Um, they just said, you know, we're fine. He said they, they're, they don't care. They don't care because they want – but the th- thing is that's still when Shigeru Miyamoto was, was running Nintendo. You don't know now. No, even now – Nintendo has a poison pill uh, strategy when it comes to being bought out by shareholders. Like there is enough of uh, shares in in the in the family that owns Nintendo that if they were subject to a hostile takeover, they would act. They would basically take that poison pill contingency and right. block it off. And then Microsoft ta- and then Phil Spencer talked about imagine if we got if we bought Valve. Now that that's wild. Imagine if Microsoft bought Valve. I would actually hate that. I'm pretty sure that would get blocked. Um, no, because that's PC gaming, and there's tons and tons and tons. Keep keep in mind, Epic was out, and they would be competitors. And you have Gamersgate and all these other and good old games and all that stuff. So, but it would be like, oh. That would be a lot of money from Microsoft. And can you imagine Sony saying, wait a minute, are we going to be able to release to, uh, are we going to be able to release to, to, to Valve, to PC, uh, use Valve as our PC thing? Oh no, we screwed up with 505 games because then, um, uh, uh, what's it called? Um, De- uh, not that, De- uh, you know, Norman Reedus became a, uh, Oh God! You know the game I'm talking about. Became a Death Game Pass game. Death Stranding became a Game Pass game because they let 505 handle it. 505 says, "Yeah, we'll sell it on the on on Microsoft's Windows platform." And oh, hey, we're going to make it into a Game Pass game so we can make some extra money. I absolutely hate the idea of anyone owning Valve just because that's too much power for anyone to have. I don't know if it's going to be power to PC. And what happens is that. You don't think that somebody owning Steam is too much power? 
I just think they would turn all the Steam achievements into actual Xbox achievements. <laughs> I think it's a little bit more dangerous than that as far as just like business oh. and availability goes. You know what Microsoft would say to Valve if they bought them? They would say, fucking make Half-Life 3 already. And That's Valve what they would, would tell us. They would say yes because they own them now. <laughs> They don't, have, they, don't, they don't have to worry about making money anymore. You haven't heard anything about Fallout New Vegas, and I know people have been wanting that, so I, I don't think that's So, happening. yeah, the thing about they own Bethesda and Obsidian. They could make it happen tomorrow if they wanted to, and they don't. But right now they're doing Avowed, and they're doing The Outer Worlds 2, and I think The Outer Worlds 2 was in development for a while. I think I think Avowed was, uh, was in, uh, in development for a while, too, before Microsoft got ZeniMax. I just hate the idea. There are certain groups that I hate the idea of anyone owning. Steam is one of them. Sega is another one. And I, like Microsoft they're, they're, never buy Microsoft never buys Sega because they're already partners. I mean, they they they're well, very chummy Square, anyway. SquareSoft not get bought either. I'd, I'd add that to the list. Well, SquareSoft decided that uh, we're going to shed all of our uh, Western IPs. Yeah, and then but, we're just going to be a work for hire. If you want us to make Final Fantasy 16 and you pay us to do it, we'll do it. But they're still stewards of the Final Fantasy series, the Dragon Quest series, and a whole bunch of like classic IP that they're still kind of working with with these HD remakes. Yeah, but the thing I, is that here's the thing is that they don't they don't need to be uh, purchased because they're just going to partner whoever. You know, ask them to. That's their answer to not. They're never going to be bought because they don't need to be bought. They can already be bought just for a single game, case by case basis. Right. All I'm saying is that, like, I don't like the idea of the Sonic the Hedgehog franchise being chained down to one platform. I don't like the idea of Steam being chained down to one company. Uh, that, that it's only like, one platform. It's it's always been PC. Not. I don't think you'd see any changes. Only more money going into Microsoft's pockets. A lot of people thought that Elder Scrolls Six wouldn't be like a it's, thing where like you would see it on one platform, but it's now a, we're it's a store. That, it's not, not a um, case. But there's only one platform for for Steam, and that's that's but, PC. But you can't tell me that like that you can't tell me that there's no precedent for Microsoft to tie something that was available to everything. Okay, they'll tie it to Windows and not really. They'll tie it to Windows and never have any Linux releases. But yeah, that'll be I mean, a disaster, right? I'm just saying I'm not I'm already not okay with Elder Scrolls 6 being confined to Xbox and PC. So the idea of Steam or Sega or anything uh, for that I mean, that would have been if uh, previously you can just, available. You know the thing about the Elder Scrolls games is that they're remarkably you can have a really uh low-end computer run a, uh, run an Elder Scrolls game. Right. So, I mean, if if you really need Elder Scrolls 6, just get a PC. Or run but it on your you laptop. Think, but do you think the idea of going from Elder Scrolls V, which was like the joke about Elder Scrolls V, was that it was like literally available on everything? You're, you, uh, introducing the the new Apple Watch, we're gonna put Skyrim on it. <laughs> to going to Elder Scrolls Six, where it's just gonna be on F- Xbox and PC, isn't a little bit of whiplash? Nah, I. It's been like what twelve years, so it's here's the thing. I don't know. I don't know if any – there's already the new hotness. You know, they'll always have – the Elder Scrolls 6 would really have to do something different. Anyways, we're talking about the Elder Scrolls 6 too much anyway. Uh, last thing about this is that um, a lot of people knew why 
Microsoft didn't buy WB Games was because, sure, buy the company, but we can't buy the IPs. And why buy WB Games if we can't have all the WB, uh, uh, WB properties along with it? That was not going to happen. So, I mean, if you, get, if you get WB Games, you're not going to be able to do Justice League or something like that, you know? I mean, and also, let's not forget, Mortal Kombat is part of WB yeah. Games now. I would be pissed off if I could not play uh, Mortal Kombat 1 because it was uh, Xbox exclusive. I don't think that would happen. Um, no. Here's the thing. The Mortal Kombat games and everything that Never the Realms games have been putting out have become live service games. And as we know, you know, uh, Minecraft, Fallout 76, Call of Duty, those are all live service games. And um, Microsoft will just get the dosh for that. And what if you didn't get absolute terrible train wrecks that were the Mortal Kombat 1 Switch version? <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't think that would happen. <laughs> so, anyways, um, the other thing we can talk about now is the first game news. And that is Xbox Series X discless design leaks online. This comes just from The Verge. Microsoft is planning to refresh its Xbox Series X console in 2024 with an all-new design and features. Codename Brooklyn, with an I, for some reason. <coughs> the unannounced console refresh has been accidentally revealed in the new FTC versus Microsoft documents this week. The new Xbox Series X design looks more like a cylindrical than looks more cylindrical than the existing console and will ship without a disk drive. Internal confidential Microsoft documents reveal it has two terabytes of storage, up from one terabyte a USB-C front port with power delivery, and an all-new immersive controller. The new controller, codenamed Sibyl, is set to be announced this year and will include an accelerometer for gyrosport. It has a two-tone color scheme and will support direct connection to the cloud, Bluetooth 5.2, and a presumably updated Xbox Wireless 2 connection. Microsoft also lists precision haptic feedback and VCA haptics double as speaker as specs for the controller. Does that sound familiar? Uh, this will also have a quieter buttons and thumbstick, a rechargeable and swappable battery, and modular thumbsticks, and you'll be able to lift it up to wake it. Uh, inside the new Xbox Series X design, Microsoft is also adding Wi-Fi 6E support, a Bluetooth 5.2 radio, and the company is shrinking to the existing die, the existing die to six nanometers to improve efficiency. The PSU power will be reduced by 15%, according to Microsoft's document. Microsoft is targeting the same $500 launch price of the Xbox Series X. Microsoft also lists a roadmap for this new Series XS, SSX controller and, and console, alongside a refreshed ter- uh, Xbox Series S with one terabyte of storage. Microsoft just announced the refreshed Xbox Series S in black, but there could be another refresh along the way in two th- 2024 with Wi-Fi 6, 6E support and Bluetooth 5.2. This will also include the new Xbox controller. Uh, you'll also have Xbox Design Lab customization uh, by 2030, which is really neat because um, anybody knows the Xbox Design Lab. You can you can create your own Xbox controller with every any color you want, with any color you know pattern you want, and all that stuff. Um, Microsoft is tentatively planning to launch the Xbox Series S refresh next September, with the Xbox Series X refresh in November. There's a lot to unpack here. So um, first thing I want to say is good on Microsoft for copying the haptic PS5 controller. I mean, yeah. Uh- it's having played with the haptic controller a little bit, quite a bit. I mean, I have a PS5. It's yeah. 
it's not bad. The idea of something that like when you play a when you play something like a shooter, the haptic you get the feedback, it. yeah, yeah, and I don't hate it. Um, there are definitely games where like it, it, it's silly. It's it feels like a, a tacked on thing because tech, new technology making use of. New I, I think you're I think you're talking about the accelerometer, aren't you? <laughs> I've yeah. never been a fan of the accelerometer. Just, you know, it's going to open up a lot of bad control. I because tilt your, your, your controller this way to make it. Do- no, I don't want to do that. <laughs> or even just games where it just doesn't feel good or makes no sense. I, I was playing Baldur's Gate three with my spouse the other day and, and, and the adaptive triggers are in play on that game unless you turn them off. And, a, I didn't like it, and B, my spouse had never played with the adaptive triggers before, and Sam was like, "What the fuck is happening? What is this?" Well, they didn't. They don't. They didn't list adaptive triggers as part of the new controller. That's the only thing that isn't like the PS5 controller. Right, but like the haptic feedback is a little bit silly on a game like Baldur's Gate, where like I don't need to be that far immersed into Baldur's Gate where it's making me feel like, oh man, I pulled the triggers and my character did this spell. That's so cute. Um, the one thing that worries me is that they did mention uh, Gen 10, so they're already planning Gen 10, and the one thing that worries me is if they don't have a disk drive on the next Xbox, you know, the Gen 10 Xbox. That would That would concern me. I don't think they'll do that because there's still a lot of people who don't have the ability to do online only. But it, it does worry me. It does seem like they're pushing towards that because wasn't Starfield just digital only? There's no physical copies of Starfield no. at all. Nope. So it, it does seem like the uh, the whole gaming industry is slowly pushing to digital only. On the other hand, it's sort of like, well, PC has gone digital already. It's, yeah. Uh, but the thing is that, and so is the Switch, really, when you think about it. Um, the, problem, the only problem I really have is is that there's a well, there's a lot of people who are don't have a lot of money who do need a disc, you know, who don't have a lot of money and don't have and don't have good internet. There's there's a lot of people with money who are buying every physical thing that they can and either keeping it or, or marketing it up and it's. It's getting harder and harder to be a physical media gamer, you know, because you just it's harder to get these physical stuff. And like you said, the PC doesn't even have CD drive anymore. Oh, people. I still have my DVD drive. I mean, my I mean, Blu-ray drive. Fun, but it's no, I mean, not. I have an I have an internal uh, because I like to rip movies from my own collection so I can put it on my cell phone. Mm-hmm. I will say, you know, the. This, there is something about the cylindrical style that makes it makes a lot more sense than the box style that the Xbox Series X is. So yeah, there's a lot of stuff, and oh yeah, um, everybody, the FTC blame Microsoft for leaking the information, and I'm thinking why would they do that? But then again, they said it wasn't because they leaked it, but because they were incompetent and put it in a file. I don't think so. For one thing, if Microsoft did leak it, this is more like advertising than it is a bad leak. It's sort of like, because it always happens, doesn't it? There's there's a teased leak, right? 
and everybody, you know, says so what and all that stuff. But when the leak is made official, it's like everybody goes nuts. Like, yeah, it actually happened. I don't know. So we're going to move on. Let's talk about Nintendo Direct. Um, what do you want to talk about first? Well, I was most excited for the Iudian Chronicle trailer that they showed. And uh, not only did we have a nice trailer showing the castle town and the game, but we got a release date, which is April 23rd of 2024. So now we have that to look forward to. And um, they also announced it at Microsoft's Tokyo game announcement. And, of course, it's going to be a Game Pass game. Mm-hmm. So I'm pretty, right. it's coming off on all consoles, PC, PlayStation, Switch, and Xbox. I'm looking forward to it, too. Um, I'm sorry it's not like Prelude, you know, store, you know, the game that came before the other AED Chronicle game. This is going to be more traditional. It's going to be more like Sea of Stars than it is going to be like its previous game. Yeah. It's, but it's uh, turn-based. Yeah, turn-based combat. Um, and the, it's uh, pixels and uh, you, you walk around the world and the, the, they showed the world map, which was uh, beautifully rendered in 3D and uh, you're still uh, these sprites and, uh, you know, very well animated sprites. It's full voice acting. Uh, yeah. It, and there's a theater mini game and there's all sorts of stuff happening. And it's basically just all set around a, a war, you know, that's going to break out between these countries. And it's very dramatic, the story that uh, usually happens in these games. So looking forward to recruiting all these characters that they showed and building up the castle base. It's going to be a really good game. Yeah, you were going to say something? Oh, yeah. I uh, I wanted to ask, because I didn't actually get a chance to see. I haven't had a chance to sit down and see the trailer for myself, but I heard good things out of other people who did that I whose opinions I trust. Scott, did you have a chance to see uh, Saga Emerald Beyond, the trailer they had for that? I think I saw that. I'm pretty sure I did. Um, let me just refresh my memory real quick. Should, I heard like I heard folks saying that like it looked legitimately like a a good new saga game. See, it looks like every other JRPG game that I've ever seen. (laughs) (laughs) Saga has a particular flavor because the whole point of Saga is that you don't have it's it's like Octopath, right? Like it's Octopath before Octopath, where you don't have particularly one character that you have to stick with. You can choose between a bunch of heroes that have their own different flavors and stories to them. Well, that's going to be, that's the entire point of um, Aiden Chronicles, hundred heroes. You're going to have a hundred people that you can, you can choose from. Well, yeah, you're in Aiden. It's an army you're recruiting, but in saga, it's a, a path you're following with one character's story. And it's usually focused on that character until you find the other ones. And they, interact uh their story right. together you're, but, you're generally following the the main story of one character but you can weave the other characters mm-hmm. into that adventure yeah i i don't know if the battle system is like the older saga games or if it's any different because uh, i always had trouble with leveling i would level too high and the bosses would just be murdering me yeah because the boss is scaled with you yeah and I don't know if that's still there. 
I don't know. Like I heard, I heard people whose opinions I trust saying it looked like it was like a good return to form for this series, and that has me very interested because I love the Saga games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that it, it will be a good game, and it looks very uh, interesting, very uh, action and fluid. So I think people will like that one. Oh, how excited are you for the uh, Super Mario RPG remake? Oh yeah, that's she- good too. They chose the best one. I can't believe that they actually went back and chose the best one of that whole franchise. And, like, it's... Okay, so I also saw this opinion that I kind of agree with, is that Nintendo... This Nintendo Direct may have been the best evidence of a new console on the way of as anything. (laughs) That's true. Because they are going hard, hard to the paint with a whole bunch of Mario stuff before, like, up until March 2024. Yeah, they have the Paper you know, Mario. They have Paper Mario Thousand Year Door remake, too, coming. There's so many Mario things on the way. The the Thousand Year Door is the best of the Mario, of the Paper Mario franchise, and I'm not even going to, like, qualify that. That is the best of the Paper Mario franchise. I would say it's the best Mario game, period. Wow. I no, I would say it's the best Mario game. Period. Better than I the Super Mario games. Better than the Mario RPG. Better than all the other Mario games. I mean, Super Mario RPG is like that one that that like you wouldn't have Thousand Year Door if it wasn't for Super Mario RPG. True. But, but then like, again, you wouldn't have you wouldn't have Majora's Mask without um, you know, without see uh, oh, that Ocarina time game, time. Ocarina of Time, yeah. And I think that's fair. Um, but it's just like, it's crazy how hard to the paint they're going with Mario before March 2024. You have, we had Super Mario RPG. We Mario also have, without, yeah, we also have uh, Luigi's Mansion 2, which I know uh, Scott must be excited about because I know you completed the first yeah, Luigi's Mansion. Yeah, I saw Mansion. that. I was very excited to see that. I, I like more uh, Luigi's Mansion games. I, you know, I bought the previous one. And I've been wanting them to bring the the others over to Switch as well, so it looks like that's what they're doing. So you also have it. you also have uh, Princess Peach getting her no, own game, Princess Peach Showtime. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like, right. yeah, speaking uh, speaking of that idea of like a new console on the way before twenty twenty before March twenty twenty four, we're gonna have Super Mario Bros. Wonder. We're gonna have Super Mario RPG remake. We're gonna have Super Mar- Paper Mario and the Thousand Year Door, Princess Mario, Peach Showtime, Mario versus Donkey Louis- Kong. Luigi's Mansion 2, Mario vs. Donkey Kong remake. There's so much Mario coming in the next, like, six months. It's yeah. it's it's cool as hell, to be honest. It's kind of obvious that the new console is coming. Because these are all going to be games that are going to be on the Switch 2. Sure. I, I, I honestly believe that is true. Like, the, like with all of this setup before that, I, I wholly believe that. That aside, of the bunch of them, Thousand Year Door had to be like the the most surprising to see, especially with the fact that we've already learned that uh, Super Mario RPG is already happening and is coming around the corner here. Oh, we forgot about WarioWare. Move it. <laughs> when was the last yeah. time you had a WarioWare game come out? Last year, wasn't it? I don't know. Was it? Okay. It feels like it's been pretty dang recent. Uh, okay. 
Somehow, some way, somebody at Nintendo must love WarioWare because they it feels like they come out with that franchise and they bring back that franchise at least once every two to three years uh, in a way that they don't with like there hasn't been an F, outside okay also F zero ninety nine oh that looks crazy I love it <laughs> they they haven't made a new F zero game since F zero like it was like a, a a shitty Game Boy Advance game in like 2013. So it was it was crazy to see F Zero 99 during that direct. Yeah, I <laughs> haven't seen F Zero since SNES days. It's been a long time. Well, with the other major properties, you have Detective Pikachu Returns coming this year, and you have DLC coming to Pokemon Scarlet and Violet. Uh huh. And and like, we there was a lot of crazy cool stuff during this whole thing. I think one of my favorite things that I saw, and I'd like to actually talk about it for a bit because I'm sure Scott, if Scott Uh-oh. didn't see it, he should have seen it. Uh, Unicorn Overlord. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Did that not look like a straight up ogre tactics game? I believe so. Let me. That's just so much. Vanillaware is good. Vanillaware knows what they're doing when they do that kind of stuff. They've done quite a few decent games already, and to ta- to tackle that kind of genre and the way that it looks like they're doing, I'm really excited for that. Not since yeah, uh, like Romance of the Three Kingdoms, you know? Well, this re- it reminds me of Romance of the Three Kingdoms on the NES. Like, and it was like, they, they made it sound like it's going to be very freeform, too, because it sounded like there's a lot of heroes you're going to be able to, like, optionally gather. Yeah. As far hey, as... look, they're going to have a physical release, okay? Yeah. And it's going to be on Switch, Xbox, Series X, X, and also PS5. And notice, um, only on the, uh, on the ninth gen, there's not going to be a PS4 or Xbox One version. This was a weirdly good Nintendo Direct. But I will I say, didn't expect- I did you see the physical collector's edition? It looks I cool. didn't. So it comes with a two-CD soundtrack, an art book, an outer box, and a card game. And it's not some rinky-dink card game. It's 239 cards in the card game. Two to four players. That yeah. Good. Mm-hmm. So this is not some, you know... It's not some card game you're like, oh yeah, it's a tarot deck. No, 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 it's an actual game. So. It I'm looks really appetizing. I'm really excited for Unicorn Overlord because Vanillaware has a really good style about their games. Like the moment you see a, a a character sprite in a Vanillaware game, you almost know it's a Vanillaware game if you've seen it before. They have a very it's somewhere between Final Fantasy Tactics and weirdly horny in most cases. Uh, I've been wrong. <laughs> but like they they do a good job with their games. I might have been wrong um, because the Xbox version is smart delivery. And for those who don't know, um, smart delivery means both Xbox One and Xbox Series X. So. Yeah. <clears throat> I saw someone describe P- Princess Peach Showtime as uh, what if uh, what if Bal- uh, what if Balan Wonderworld was good. <laughs> okay, um, 
I know a lot of people are excited about this. I'm not that excited about it, but how do you feel about the first three Tomb Raiders being remastered in a single set? It's neat. I, I'm not mad about it. I love the. I liked those games. They're they're an integral part of my childhood as far as like the early PS1 days. Yeah, it's good. It's good to see it on there. I mean, it's not a bad series. It's fun. Okay, I have to ask you both. Have, do you either of you know anything about Dave the Diver? David Diver? Yeah. No. Everybody's told me that it's like the game that I should be playing as far as yeah, indie goes. It's an indie. It's an indie Steam game which has been getting a lot of medic mutation. Now, um, people have played it for a long time. Say it does start feeling kind of shallow, but it is just so, such a unique experience because you're running a sushi shop. Then you gotta dive for your own fish, and then you meet these, you know, Lovecraftian creatures and all this stuff. It just goes batshit crazy. <laughs> it's one of those games in which it's like, oh, you know, it's like uh, Frog Mathematics, and then it just and gets it weirder, just weirder, weirder, and weirder, and weirder, weirder, weirder. And I hear myself. I, hear myself. I do see. Uh, there's, there's a. Uh... Contra was shown uh, oh, yeah. by Konami. And yeah, first Contra game in like a dog's age. And how yeah. come I can hear myself on your thing? I uh, I don't know. That's me on your on yours, Scott. Okay. It's it's actually a remake of um of the first of the original uh, NES game. And it's being done by Way Forward, which you know Way Forward is such a mixed bag. Because they do the Shantae games, but they also did Silent Hill Memories? Or Shattered also, Memories? Yes. They're also working on the uh, remake of Clock Tower, which is like oh. a weirdly different thing for them. Uh, I like... I, I, I honestly like... I, I haven't played a way forward game that I hated. They always do a pretty dang good job with what they have in their hands. Oh, well, the last Shantae game was really negatively negatively reviewed. Really, I didn't know yeah. that. Like, for the most part, I've the Shantae games that I've played have been a pretty good style of Metroidvania. They also did River City Girls, which yeah, uh, I love good. that game. Yeah. Um, the other out of nowhere game I think they showed off was Trace Memory. Um, it's actually the never-released sequel to a DS game. It was supposed to be for the Wii. So they brought it back. <laughs> Who knows? And I think, by, by, I think that actually is a evidence of a new console, because reviving old ti- old eye titles for a new console is, a, is not a new thing. Trace Memory, you, did, you don't know that game? It was on the DS? No, I don't know much about that one. It was a detective game. Uh, Use the DS touchscreen. I see. Yeah. Who, Anyways, who did this. This looks like a. Uh... Oh, it's um. Oh, interesting. It's it's a developer that I've really never heard of. Uh, C I N G Sing. Oh yeah, the that no, that's they're ju- they're just handling the. Uh, I think they're a Russian group. Eh, no, maybe not. I know they're not a United States group, and they're not an Asian. Anyways, let's uh, move to the PlayStation State of Play, which a lot of people did not like. 
I mean, maybe it's because in comparison with um, with the Nintendo Switch thing, it's like, eh. The PlayStation State of Play was a lot of DLC and add-ons. Well, uh, here's the thing. One thing. We knew Marvel Spider-Man was coming out. We knew right. Final Fantasy VII Rebirth was coming out. We just got a date for that now, February 29th. It was good. Like it, we've seen a lot more on Final Fantasy VII Rebirth since the PlayStation State of Play that I think is more important than what we saw at the State of Play. Right. It's uh, it's good to see Kate Sith back in action. It's good to see uh, the Gold Saucer is something I'm super excited about. I have been waiting for that in the remake ever since we first had the remake. I love Gold Saucer. It's my favorite part of the game. Like it's. It's an amusement park inside of the fantasy world, and so, I love it. So I, I gotta ask, since the Golden Saucer is back, do you think they'll like? Is is this gonna have where you can pour it over your save and and track results or anything? Because I know that there's a date thing that happens at the Gold Saucer, so I don't know if it's going to be like the same bonding mechanic that they had in the original, or if they updated that. Or if they even added more characters that you can have on that date. They have confirmed since they showed those original trailers since that uh, the date is going to be back in Gold Saucer and they're actually going to expand upon like how it turns out, depending on the choices you make up to it. Um, you can port a save, from what I understand, over from Final Fantasy VII Entergrade. Like the you know the uh, the extra chapter that they added on and alongside the original remake. Yeah. Um. I I can't remember if they. I I feel like they're gonna be bonuses based on if you ha- if you played through the main remake and then Entergrade. But as far as the Gold Saucer goes, yes, you are going to be the choices that you make leading up to the Gold Saucer events are going to determine how that day goes. So, TJ, have you played the Separate Ways DLC for Resident Evil 4, which came out yesterday? I haven't, but it is delightful looking. I uh, This was like the worst kept secret. Capcom, we all knew they were going to be doing it eventually, but like we finally saw it, and then they were like, we're going to drop it next week, by the way, which is awesome. And from what I understand, it's a meaty add-on, too. Like For DLC, it's supposed to be like somewhere around 10 to 12 hours long. That's a, that's a fat DLC. I saw some people joking that, like, uh, that's a little bit offensive considering that uh, Resident Evil 3 was about 10 hours as well. Um, and Resident Evil 3 was 10, was $70, whereas, uh, the Separate Ways DLC is only 10 bucks. Um, that said, I'm, I'm ready for that story. Uh, I love the Ada Wong alternate campaign. And uh, it looks like they're going to take some interesting liberties with it, where like some sides that you didn't see in the re- the Resident Evil 4 remake are finally going to get their time in the light in that Separate Ways DLC. I'm excited. I'm I'm going to play the shit out of it, and I'm going to tell you all about it next week. Okay. Uh, Beyond the Dawn DLC. Who cares? Um, actually, the game, the one game that everybody was talking about after it was Baby Steps, which is a walking simulator. And by that, I don't mean something like Gone Home or um, the what became a V defense. No, I mean, in which you have to walk sort of like, sort of like Octoman, except it's bizarre. This is from the same guy who made getting over it. Or is that the name of it? Get over it. 
where like you you played like this weird guy in a sack and you had like a little stick and you had to pull yourself like push yourself up uh environments um either way uh oh Bennett Foddy Bennett Foddy is the director behind it and he is like becoming well known at this point for like his weird traversal games I think it looks stupid but <laughs> it's deliberately supposed to look stupid, like Surgeon Simulator. Yeah, like it's it's almost too much for me when I when I see Benefati's games. But like, <laughs> you can't deny that there's some level of like charm to them for how ridiculous they are. It's also coming out on Steam too. So if you don't have a PlayStation, um, I'm really. I'm really excited for uh, Helldivers 2. That's probably the most excited I am for anything out of this because uh, that game is ridiculous. And it looks like they're going to make the sequel even more ridiculous. Yeah. But a lot, yeah, it's like this state of play. It's like, oh, okay, you have new shells for the DualSense and the PS5? Okay. I mean, I won't get I'm a sucker for any console that's, you know, red. But. It's not like they're releasing a PS5 that's red. No, it's just just replacing your shell. You know, it's clacking them in. I don't know. Uh, there wasn't much. I mean, Frontiers of Pandora. Really? Do we need an Avatar game that bad? Yeah, Hell Divers Two looks okay. I mean, it's a straight up shooter. Yeah, the bugs look ridiculous, and it looked, from what I could see in this trailer, like the more damage you do to them, the more you'll take, like, actual chunks out of their model. Like, say you're blasting that thing with, like, a, a rocket launcher. You'll actually blast pieces of the bug off as you go. Which, that level of modular destruction is something I can absolutely get behind in the Helldivers game, because Helldivers was already full of ridiculous and wanton destruction. <laughs> Hell, Helldivers is, like, Helldivers is becoming Earth Defense Force for people that have no idea what the Earth Defense Force is. Uh, they have to remake that at some point. They have to do a, a, a good remake. Something that's not wonky, you know? They do. It's called Helldivers. <laughs> <laughs> like... Like I, I love it. Like as far as just like the playing co-op with my friends and play and shooting just like bugs with all sorts of ridiculous weapons, you couldn't ask for a more Earth Defense Force experience that's like good compared to what Helldivers is doing right now. You know what? Here's here's a segue for you. Yeah, speaking of ridiculous things, let's go with the Xbox Tokyo Game Show in Hotel Barcelona. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, Hotel Barcelona is a side-scrolling, uh, well, it's sort of like Dead Cells game, but it's written by Suda51 and created by Swery. So that's all you need to know. Suda51 and Swery collaboration. Have, you didn't see it? They pitched this for a long time, and it's good to finally see it's actually happening. It's batshit bonkers. But then again, it's a Suda51 sweary game, so obviously it's going to be batshit bonkers. It was yeah, the talk you're talking about the guys. Go ahead. Like one half of that combination made No More Heroes, and the other half of that combination made Deadly Premonition. So you put them in the same <laughs> game, it's it, it's bound to be bonkers. Yeah. 
but yeah, it was. It looks really nice. Um, it it reminds me exactly of Dead Cells, exactly of Dead Cells. It's like a Dead Cells clone. So um, a lot of the show was just saying, hey, guess what? This is going to be on Xbox and going to be on Game Pass. Um, Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney Trilogy is coming to Game Pass both on Xbox and PC, and it's going to be next week. And um, it's a good chance for me to jump in. I know, Scott, you're a big fan of the Phoenix Wright series. Yeah. That's a pretty good series. Uh, I guess I'm not really surprised it's on Xbox. I mean, it's going on uh, all the platforms. Well... Keep in mind, this, uh, there's a lot of titles that were not that don't normally appear on Xbox from Japan. Um, both they have both Like a Dragon games coming to Game Pass as well. It's sort of like you know we want. They didn't have Yakuza for a long while, and now they're over going overboard with Yakuza. It's like we want everything Yakuza on the Xbox and on Game Pass. But they both look good. Uh, did you and. Uh, Good old Itchy is going to Honolulu and being his normal goofy self. And he's going to be he's going to be dealing with Danny Trejo. <laughs> and and a middle aged Kazumi uh, Kiario. The funniest thing about that is the part where I saw somebody post a little clip where like it's going to be a turn based like RPG battle system like they did with like a dragon like yeah. Yakuza Six like a dragon. Except for the part where Kiryu can, like, straight up break the game and turn it into an action, like, brawler again for <laughs> one of his moves. Which I thought is hilarious, because that is a Kiryu thing to do. Um, that whole thing looked hilarious. Like, and, on, and honestly, weirdly popular week for segues... Because, <laughs> because Cloud was writing a segue in the Final Fantasy VII Rebirth trailer in the Ju- in the Junin part that they showed, and then we had uh and then we had uh the guy in uh, like a dragon writing a segue around Hawaii as well. Um, Octopath Traveler Two is finally coming out on Xbox next year, uh, and it'll be on Game Pass. Uh, did you finish Octopath Traveler, Scott? Two, yes, I did finish that. And then you have I'm covering my way through it. It's well worth the time. It's probably yeah. it's actually on my game of the year short list, like as far as top twenties wow. go. Cool. Um, both Persona games. Uh, you have Persona Three Reload coming out on Game Pass on February second, twenty twenty four, and Persona Five Tactica on November seventeenth. And um, it's been a while since we've had a tactics game, isn't it? I don't remember. Do we remember the last time we had a tactics game, a traditional tactics game? Not a Persona, just like Final Fantasy or something like that. No, there is a there is a recent like Square Enix did a recent remake of uh, Ogre Tactics. Oh it right, wasn't bad. Yeah, I got that on Steam. It's a good game. Um. So yeah, and the thing I really couldn't get into Persona Five for some reason. Um. I'm gonna try Persona Three Reload because at least that's going back to the PSP and maybe it'll be a little bit more simple that I can branch out from, like a good jumping in point. I find it funny. No one talks about Persona 1 or 2, though. Is it Persona 1 and 2 are super niche. Like the Too close to Shigen Tensei? Well, Persona 1 was straight up like a first-person dungeon crawler type where what? you were... Like, yeah. And the... <clears throat> 
and the fa- and the vein of like stuff like wizardry where like it was set in it was set in modern times still but like you would enter into a dungeon and you would go through that dungeon in a first person view and fight monsters as you went uh persona 2 is where they kind of went into a more top down rpg thing but neither of them really actually ever caught on it was it was Persona 4. Like, Persona 3 didn't even really catch on all that hard until Persona 4 caught on. And then people realized that P- Persona 3 was also pretty dang good. Okay. But uh, I'm excited because Persona 3 has great characters. There's a lot of cool uh, story arcs in there. And because of things like Persona 4 Arena, the fighting game that actually included Persona 3 characters, people got to experience those characters with before they even experience the RPG. So to actually have that RPG and be able to go back to it and see how it goes is going to be interesting for a lot of people. Um, and it goes Night Market, which is basically an ag- a social simulation adventure that is as Ghibli as you can get without actually looking like Ghibli. It's, it's basically Studio Ghibli, except with a completely different art style. But the same kind of tone and the same kind of, um, you know, aesthetic in terms of what's going on. Have you seen Minoka's Minoka's Night Market? I don't think so. I'm looking it up now because I didn't. Yeah. I I didn't get to watch this trailer. It's a it's a Studio Ghibli film without being a Studio Ghibli film. You just do a lot of mini games and you walk around and it's about Japanese culture. It's just, you know... Oh, yeah, this does look nice, yeah. Like I said, if, if, if it's like they want to do a, st- a Studio Ghibli film, but they didn't want it to look like a Studio Ghibli film. Ah, it looks fu- it looks super pleasant, though. Mm-hmm. Like uh, a it's, slice-of-life mo- game? Yeah, except everything's like a mini-game. It's like... Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, finally, the only other game really of note is My Lovely Empress, which is the third game in a trilogy. It's an Empire Sim game. So guess what? Hey, we got another one of those. <laughs> nice. We have another uh, Romance of the Three Kingdoms sort of thing. So, But as part of a trilogy, I never heard of the first two games. Yeah, uh, I haven't heard of these ones either. Oh, yeah, I almost forgot. Pal World is getting a lot of buzz. That's the one where it's like Pokemon, except the Pokemon turn into guns, right? <laughs> Yeah, it's an open-world crafting thing, yeah. That's always been so weird to me. I don't understand why it even exists, <laughs> but, like, okay. Yeah, because uh, one of the scenes you have, this this Pikachu-like character with a minigun. <laughs> and it's it's sort of like Pulp Fiction meets Pokemon, basically. They all have angry eyes. <laughs> Come on, it's it's hysterical. Coming on, yeah. It's coming on in January. It's already, out in early, it's already out in early access on Steam, actually. Yeah. It's like, if Nintendo could sue, they would. They changed it just enough. Right. We're going to go back to the Microsoft leak, um, because I know that this will probably make Scott's ears prick up most, too. Uh, Fallout 3 Remaster leads colossal Microsoft leak of unannounced games. A uh, number of unannounced games, Bethesda and ZeniMax games, are leaked from an internal document publicly shared as part of the ongoing MT- FTC and Microsoft case. A lot of these games were supposed to come out two years ago. 
but were shifted. Like Starfield was supposed to come out in 2022. I mean, 2022, obviously the, co- the pandemic. But there was a lot of um, games that were announced, such as um, Doom Year Zero and DLC. How much do you need a new Doom game there, TJ? What does... Like, I don't even understand what Doom Year Zero means. I don't either, like, but it's maybe it's a prequel. But like in that case, does it does it not have the Doom Slayer? Because like the whole point is that like the Doom Slayer wakes up and starts killing everything. It could be um, the uh, the dimension crossing, you know, when they first invade from hell. You know. But then who do you play as in that case? The Doom Slayer. I mean, you know, you, you continued his adventures up in space, but he was probably on the ground too. When it first happened, maybe he was new and he becomes a doom slayer. He goes from he goes from being a normal person to ri- uh, rip and kill. Um, I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm not against the idea of new doom because it's been a while since we had uh, the last one. How about Dishonored Three? I would far rather have a Dishonored Three. Yeah, it makes me wonder where it would go considering what happened in the first two games. All these uh, remasters that we saw in here, too. Well, also, um, Ghostwire Tokyo sequel, I don't know if that's still going to come out. Because um, Ghostwire Tokyo didn't do too well. On the other hand, it is fodder for Game Pass, a Ghostwire Tokyo 2. Yeah. I agree. Like, I, I liked Ghostwire Tokyo, but it like I, it didn't feel to me like it was the kind of game that everybody's going to dig. Yeah. It's interesting to find out that Project Hibiki was actually the code name for Hi-Fi Rush. I'm yeah. saying that because you have a Project Project Kestrel with an expansion and a Project Platinum. We have no idea what they are, and they may never come out. We don't know. Um, but then you have the Fallout 3 Master remaster and the Oblivion remaster. I know that the Oblivion remaster was either leaked and announced or just plain announced recently. It feels like this isn't the first time I've heard of the idea of an Oblivion remaster. Yeah. But a Fallout 3 remaster is new. And I would like to see that. Imagine having Fallout 3, but with a new engine. Yeah, because the whole thing I didn't like about Fallout 3 is that it it didn't feel as fun to play as Fallout New Vegas. But I think that it has that on the same... In the same breath, I feel like Fallout 3 has a better story than New Vegas, for the most part. So, Scott, how much are you looking forward to an Oblivion remaster? That would be great. I know there they, there's a fan-made one, but yep. an official one would be good, too. Yeah. Um, also, Indiana Jones, a game, and we're looking forward to that. <laughs> yep. They mentioned Indiana Jones? I don't remember that. Yeah, uh, they they mentioned the Indiana Jones game was supposed to come out in 2022, but again, like everything else, it's been delayed. Yeah, Machine Games is working on it. Um, um, did they say anything about what Project Platinum is? No, they didn't say anything about those games or whatever they were supposed to be. Well, then I have no choice but to believe that Project Platinum is an attempt by Xbox to to rekindle the relationship with Platinum Games and make Scalebound. <laughs> well, <coughs> I mean, maybe it's not Project Hibiki, but Project High by Kai. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting uh, theory. Have either of you played Hi-Fi Rush yet? 
No, I have not. <sighs> Jesus Christ, you are. If you ever loved the Dreamcast era of games, you have to play Hi-Fi Rush. I never I also heard just hear it's a funky. Ver- I also hear it's just like a funky version of Devil May Cry. Um, hmm, I don't think so. It's more. Well, if I was going to compare it, I'd compare it more to Bayonetta than. But no, it's really it's sort of like you take Grand, uh, uh, like you take uh, Jet Grind Radio, and just go to a hundred with it. It is. It also sounds good. Yeah, I, I keep on. I'm going to tell you something. Free radicals is burned in my brain with a wreck of fight. By the uh, anyways, um, I'm going to move on to the next item. Marvel's Avengers is almost a free game before it leaves Steam forever, and this comes from PC Games End. And oh, by the way, it's also um, almost free on Xbox and almost free on PlayStation. Uh, Marvel's Avengers is about to be removed from Steam and other digital storefronts, so developer Crystal Dynamics has lowered its price to the point where it's almost a free PC game with a not whopping 90% off, which is basically five bucks. You can grab Marvel's Avengers for the price of a coffee and secure it before it leaves Steam forever before the game is delisted at the end of September. Um, Crystal Dynamics already announced back in January it was shutting down Marvel's Avengers. Um, that started with a halt of new content at the end of March with official support. Uh, of the game ceasing, ceasing on Saturday, September 30th. Uh, despite this, Crystal Dynamics reassures players that the game will remain playable for owners largely as it is today. Both solo and multiplayer play will continue to be available, and you'll be able to re-download the game whenever you want if you already own it. Uh, limited time events will also continue running on a two-week ro- uh, rotation, and all operations for, uh, with, along with the War of Wakanda expansion will be playable too. Um, in addition to all this, uh, the game's cosmetic marketplace is now available free in-game. So, if you're going to delist something, this is the way to do it. And I did pick it up for five bucks on Xbox Marketplace. And why not? Yeah, for four measly dollars that get you pretty much all the DLC content. Yeah. I would say that, like, it's at least worth playing Marvel's Adventures for the single-player campaign. I think that the multiplayer is trash up to a point. I think that like the loot and grind formula is exactly what killed that game in the first place. But I had a very good time playing the solo the single player campaign of that game. I thought it was a very well done yeah. setup. I enjoy playing as Camila Khan. I like her powers. Obviously everybody loves playing as the Hulk. Tony is uh, Tony feels weak. I disagree. I love playing as Tony. I like... Really? I, I, I don't... Out of the original Avengers, I liked Iron Man the most as a kid, and the idea of... And, and like, when I got there, and I got to fly around and shoot pulsar beams and, and like, just blast enemies left and right, I I liked playing as Tony. He was everything I wanted him to be well, in Well, for game. me, it just felt his attacks were punchless. The sure, but problem. like, but the big thing about Tony is flying around and shooting all of his weapons at enemies. That was that was what I had a blast with because that felt like what I wanted out of Tony Stark. I just preferred Kamala Khan's attacks, especially with his yeah. But like, that's the thing, right? Is that like they they play to their characters' strengths, and I think that they had a good understanding of how the heroes should play as far as like Kamala Khan. 
Captain America, Black Widow, the uh, Iron Man. I just think that when it came to like the they sh- they never should have wedged the stupid loot and shoot. Yeah, I was about to grind s- formula in. I was about to say, you want to bet that the game is going to feel a lot different without that in it. And I think Crystal Dynamics is secretly hoping people see how great the game would have been had it not been saddled with that. Mm-hmm. I think that the single player experience is something that folks should. If you if you're a fan of Marvel stuff, then it's something that you should see for four bucks. Yeah, I mean it's it's nothing. It's like yeah, it's like two car fairs on, on in New York. Or actually, it's now two ninety, so it's even more. It's even less than that. So. <laughs> It's it's a game, you know, without the baggage, I think will be an entirely new experience. Yeah, for sure. And, like, if you're on, like, you get all the stuff that came out after the fact. So you get, like, the, the Hawkeye chapter, you get the Black Panther chapter. If you're on PlayStation, you get the Spider-Man chapter that was exclusive to it. Maybe. And, uh, yeah. like, it's just, that's a lot of game for four bucks. Like I said, um, we have to always talk about game preservation when it comes to this sort of stuff. And at least um, the gamer is not being penalized at all. Yeah, if you buy it before it gets delisted, then you get to keep it. You you can download it and re-download it whenever you want. You get access to all that content, and it'll never go away. And, uh, yeah. And here's the thing. Even if it's not really your thing, you might want to get it for four bucks anyway, because maybe in the future you're saying, you know... I'll just try this. Why not? Yeah. Like, having played through the single-player, the the base single-player campaign, I can say that that much of itself was a good time. Anyways, um, look for our show notes at GamingPodcast.net, along with industry news and our gaming history articles. We enjoy feedback. See us on our blogs and comments on our blog at GamingPodcast.net. All set us up at Facebook.com slash GamingPodcast. Subscribe to us at iTunes. iTunes comments. You can find me in Twitter slash X, whatever. Oh, by the way, yeah. Um, if if Elon Musk actually has X be a subscription service, I will not be there anymore. <laughs> I already have my Threads account, so if that happens, you can see me on Threads. And he should be there. What a stupid idea. Why would you make something that was free completely? He tried to remove the block function, but then he found out that that's against Apple's terms of service which means that uh, it would be removed from Apple Store and you couldn't use it on your Apple anymore. Today I learned that if you try to that if you upload a video clip and then you try to download your own video clip from your own feed, then it brings you a prompt that says you have to pay to to download videos on Twitter even if they're your own. You know, I've been what getting <sighs> yeah. What you say, yeah, fuck off. <laughs> To which I say, fuck you, that's my video, why should I download it? I guess I'll just go to Facebook or uh, WhatsApp to download my own fucking video. Yeah. Um, But I also started getting suggested tweets from far-right people, like Boebert and and, uh, Huckabee Sanders. It's like, why why do you think I – in all of my posts, why would you think I would be interested in what they have to say? And then I block them, which is probably why Elon Musk wanted to block the block. He wanted to remove block because he didn't want me blocking them. Well, guess what? I'm blocking them. Thanks for showing me all these weirdos who I can block now, sight unseen. Yeah. 
you can see you can tell the algorithm has been changed for that you know uh for that oh what's the term for it um rich white douchebag not a dude bro but um anyways yeah just whatever it you can tell he's a, a rich kid and he likes no i made it up no 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 your 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 parents owned an emerald mine we know you can't you can't hide that crap at some point, I hope you get Sam Bankman freed. So, anyways, you can still find me on Twitter, actually posting stuff, and that's Twitter to me. Damn it, I, I type in twitter.com, so that's what it is to me. Twitter. You can find me at Twitter at Jonah Falcon. You can find me at Johnny Chugs. I'm at Charb Moore. And in the future, you might find me on on Threads at Jonah Falcon 1970. <laughs> so, already. Hey, guess what? I I. Um, Instagram asked me if I wanted to do it. I said, sure, why not? And I found out I have a hundred million something on threads already, whatever that means, you know, cause I have 8,000 followers on Twitter and 8,000 follow, not 8,000, something, several thousand on Instagram. I'm wondering why I have so many threads. I, maybe that's the reason why. I don't know. I don't know how it happens. They just give me a big fat number that a lot of people don't have. And that makes me happy. Actually, you know, that, now that I think about it, that's better than a blue check. Yeah. And I'm not paying for a blue check either. <laughs> yeah, the blue check just means I have money. That's all it means. I'm paying now. $8 a month or whatever it is. Yeah. Sorry, Elon, you don't know how to make money. Go away. Sell Twitter to someone who cares. $8 a month to put your horrible opinions at the top of every stupid fucking post. Yeah. It's, it's amazing how much he's shown how a terrible businessman he is. Like he has no idea what he's doing. Well, he's certainly out of, out of touch. And, you know, people say, well, but a Tesla, well, guess what? Tesla is suing his ass. So he, what's it called? He's, he's bombing Tesla too. If he, if he didn't have, if he couldn't uh, pump and dump on Bitcoin, who knows what would happen? Oh, by the way, did you see uh, 90% of 95% of all NFTs are now worthless. Yep. It is fully crushed. Yeah. And you can't you can't get you can't pump Bitcoin like certain companies. The reason why Bitcoin hasn't crashed is that there's a bunch of companies which will pump it up so that it doesn't die because they don't want it to die. Because it's where you get all your Ponzi schemes. How can you how can you scam people without a Bitcoin available? They're all going down. Yeah. They're all going down and thank God. Because you know the concept of a Bitcoin was it's a virtual money you can use to buy things. What it turned into was stock that has no inherent value. That's all it is. And that's why the SEC is getting involved, because basically Bitcoins are being traded like stocks, you know, except unlike a real company, you there's nothing backing it. So, you know, yeah. people people wait for it to go up and then they sell everything and then it's worthless. Uh, <clears throat> but anyways, uh, there's always a lesson to be learned here. And the lesson is this. Never invest what you can afford to lose, what you can't afford to lose. When you invest in a stock, any stock, even one that's that's backed by the SEC, you have to expect to lose every single penny of that investment. You have to be ready for that. If you're not able to do that, then don't invest. That's Jonah Falcon's stock tips for the day. That's my only stock tip, actually. <laughs> There's nothing else I can tell you. 
I can't even say, oh, buy Microsoft, buy Sony, buy Nintendo, because I don't know what's going to happen to them. Who knows? Maybe Microsoft will buy Nintendo, although that will make the stock skyrocket, actually. When Microsoft announced the merger with Activision, Activision's stock went high. Microsoft's stock went down, because <laughs> that's how it yeah. goes. <laughs> oh, do you remember when Nintendo dropped stock, and it's sort of like the... Uh, the major shareholders had to publicly humiliate them. Publicly humiliated themselves for letting it go down. <laughs> oh God! Video games and stocks are crazy. And oh, by the way, thank God. You know, if there's anything that makes me feel happy as a video gamer, is anytime a company, be it Ubisoft or Square or Konami, says they're going to include NFTs in their game, the gamers shut that shit down. Just ask uh, the guys behind Stalker 2. When they mentioned they might have NFTs, they quickly said a day later, no, we're not going to have NFTs. In our game. We don't want to do that. Hmm. So that's that's what makes me feel good. And, oh, by the way, there is a minor revolt going on with uh, NBA 2K as well. NBA 2K24. I, I don't believe I forgot. Did you, did you see what's going on? Uh, people are, are shutting that shit down too now. Too. It's like... Finally, people are realizing how predatory that game is and how predatory these Madden Ultimate teams and NBA, NBA 2K, 24K, VC, and all that other shit, is how predatory it is. And, you know, I love when Europe gets involved because when Europe says something, the rest of the world has to deal with it. Like, that's why the new Apple – Apple's new iPhone is, is bragging. We have USB-C. Yeah, bullshit. They told you not to use Lightning anymore. They said you couldn't use Lightning anymore. That's why you're bragging now it's USB-C because you're forced to have it. Yep, pretty much. That's, like, <laughs> not even <laughs> – that's not even debatable. Like, they, they definitely had to follow Europe's rules when it came to that. Because you don't want to ruin that user base. <laughs> But they're still going to pretend like they reinvented it and made it into the best version ever. Well, good. Make it the best version ever of USB-C so everybody can copy it. But don't force some proprietary bullshit on us. And, oh, by the way, they're also looking into um, uh, uh, forced obsolescence, too, which is about time. Which is about friggin' time. You should only upgrade to a phone because you want to. Not because it starts crapping out because the OS doesn't work with it and everything else doesn't work with it. And a perfectly healthy phone dies because they made it die. So anyway. Anyways, um, we will see you next week. Happy gaming, everyone. Have fun. Be cool. Play games, y'all. <laughs>